I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the fifth element. Never repetitive, highly competitive, classy and elegant. Where I highlight the fifth element of hip-hop, which is knowledge. It's taking it back to the concrete streets. Original beats of real live MCs. Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks. Just that classic raps from Jurassic. It's been diggers. Rhythm in that man, you got some rhythm going on. When it comes to me in Jurassic Five, I don't play around. I appreciate that. You don't play around. Hi, man. Hi. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Well, this week we uh, we've been plunged back into lockdown by some people who didn't take the pandemic seriously. They didn't take the pandemic seriously, and now the rest of us have two weeks of stay-at-home orders, so we're allowed out to go for. An- go for a walk or a run and then we're allowed out to go to buy food and that's it so we've just been sitting at home it's um it's been fun man it's been so much fun you can you can hear it in my voice i I sound energized i sound excited by the the prospect of just sitting in these four walls and doing nothing for two weeks but it's not very pleasant i'm not gonna lie it's not very pleasant obviously we've had it very very good down here in australia very very lucky and very privileged so it's um it's a small price to pay, but yeah. So I mean, I'm I've got a lot of time to do a lot of work, which is good. Is this um, why you have nothing for a lighter note? Because you do it before anything. I don't. Even, I I mean, this is not really a lighter note. This is a sad note, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I don't normally talk this much at the start. Normally, I just jump straight in. But um, maybe that's why. Maybe I should. Maybe I should save that for the end. But I don't really want to end on this. This is a shit. It's a shitty note. So I'll talk about what I listen to. Uh, Trey the Truth, 48 hours after. Trey the Truth is a legend, man. He actually received the, the Changemaker Award at the 2021 Billboard Awards. And his philanthropy is what he does, like what he does for community is really admirable. And this record is part of his 48 series. He's basically, he's been in the game for about 20 years now. And just great, man. Beats are great. Bars are great. Uh, it's a lot of difficult observations that he deals with, a lot of emotion um yeah man it's a great project really uh just expected it to be good so much music this guy's dropped over the last 20 years so many tapes and so many albums and just keeps dropping quality i really respect that uh currency welcome to jet life too pretty standard for currency to drop another top tier project he's actually he spreads himself i think on this as thin as possible while still ensuring that his quality is on the record as much as is needed to be you know he really allows uh the other artists on jet life to to flourish and i really appreciate that it's almost like he's just the conductor or he's just kind of just checks in every now and then puts his head in the room and he's like all right i'll just drop a i'll drop a 16 here and his hooks are great on this actually um this currency is just the thing about currency is like he doesn't change very much but he continues to get better so, like, with a lot of artists, you could see the growth in the difference in the kind of music they're making. But Currency just makes the same kind of music. It just gets better and better and better. And, again, dropping this much product and still being quality is 
Ah, oh, it's mind-boggling, man. So shout-out to Currency. Uh, Ski Mask, Sin City. I saw a lot of people criticizing this album. I really liked it. It's not ambient music. So, like, you know, the criticism of it being too energetic and over the top. I mean, I get it if it's not your vibe, but that to me, that doesn't make it a bad project necessarily. I really like Lost in Time. That was quite a delicate song. It really hit me out of the blue. Then that transition into Fire Hazard, which is mixed so well. Uh, the final track, that beat, sounds like a bass guitar soaked in glue. It's fucking, it's weird, man. It's a good project. It's a good project. I don't think I'll go back to it very often, but it's good. Uh, Disco by Mike, very spacey. Uh, I don't think this guy misses, man. These instrumentals have this 1930s vinyl quality to them. Like, yeah, they have this warmth, you know, that listening warmth that you get when you, you hear old vinyl. And he just ambles along the beat. Like, uh, he's like a poet walking home from the pub after after midnight and just riding by the moonlight as he walks home. It's just, you know, he sways a little on the track because of the depth of the message, but it's always, it's great, man. I love it. I love it. You never know where Mike's going to take you. Uh, hiatus, hiatus Coyote, is that how you say their name? I, I apologize if I haven't said their name correctly. Mood Valiant. Um, great project, man. The opening song with the rising strings and the harmonizing is really beautiful. And from there, the album could have gone anywhere. Uh, ambient soul could have gone way left, but we get something right down the middle. Like we get a lot of electro on Chivalry Is Not Dead, some 90s R&B on Get Sun. Uh, All the words we don't say, that that had the basis for a drill beat. That's how crazy this album is. Like that's, it's just all over the place. But to me, it feels like a warm afternoon that like, just envelops you, you know, it closes down negativity and replaces it with a lovely feeling. It's a really good project. Finally, Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler, the creator. Uh, this wasn't necessarily what I was expecting, but that should make perfect sense by now because Tyler doesn't really drop things that you expect. Uh, Tyler after Igor is very interesting. It's a man on the other side of heartbreak. If you think about how Igor ended, can we, are we still friends? And it's like he's gone through it. He's been going through it, going through some shit, right? And this is him on the other side of it. He's reveling in his freedom and seeking validation from other sources, not from relationships. And money and success take on the role of partner on this record, and they play it really well. You know, he says he's, he's going to buy a boat, and then on the on the second song, he's like, I'm going to buy a boat, and then he ends the verse with, I'm plotting on a billy. So, like... You know, Tyler, he, he doesn't make music without thought, Tyler. And if you track his career arc through the early conversations he was having with therapists and the, the countless bars about the difficulties he was facing psychologically on those early projects, through to the beauty of him spreading his conceptual wings on Flower Boy, uh, then the relationship turmoil on Igor, Wolf and Cherry Bomb were both still filled with discomfort. And it's time for Tyler to celebrate. It's really time for him to celebrate and we definitely get some socially conscious content here, especially the seventh track. We get honest and accountability, honesty and accountability on on manifesto, which is a f- that fascinates me. That song, uh, not in the sense that I'm I'm surprised Tyler is capable of it, but the way that he chose to do it, I really like it. I like it a lot. I've always felt that Tyler's most honest statements are really hidden among his lyrics, and on this song, it it, it feels very authentic and. You know, Manifesto is a good example of Tyler's deviation from his past two albums because it has that feel of his first three projects with regards to the delivery and the underlying tension behind his words. But his lyrics are streams of conscious thought, which they always were, but like 
There, it's just different. You know, when someone gives you a stream of conscious thought and it's so different to what they were used to giving you, this person has, has changed and they're a different person than they used to be. And that's what we're seeing on this record. Even though it sounds similar to maybe Wolf or Cherry Bomb, as people have been saying, it's a different person in making the music. And yeah, man, I, I don't like it as much as Igor. That's true. But Igor... Igor was perfect for me. Like I think sometimes when we judge albums in this in this way, we have to think about the life situation that we we're in at the time and why certain albums resonate with us more because they come at the right time. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're better artistically or that they're, you know, anything like that. It doesn't mean that one album's mid and one album's great. It's just about personal experience and I think I'm not in the space to really enjoy Call Me If You Get Lost at the moment. Um, but I love it. I still do love it. I really enjoy it. I think aesthetically, it's really great. Uh, I think the sounds on here that Tyler creating a really great, beautiful production, very soulful, and just his 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 uh, rapping is is great on here. You know, he just has that menacing voice, but it's weird. Like it's a weird dichotomy seeing that on top of very uh, what's the right way celebratory lyrics, and it's great. It's a great great contrast. So. I think this album will grow on people. I really do think it will. Um, yeah, you know, I was expecting a lot, and yeah, I think I think it lived up to it, which is which is good. That's really hard to do. Tyler's been on a run lately, and I think this sits comfortably in that. So, yeah, man, good good project. So that's myself, Charlie. What about you? Well, we don't really have time uh, on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's been <laughs> six inches, Jesus Christ! It's been eight <laughs> minutes, bro. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me go back over past podcasts and and tally up. I think I think for one, if you if it's like overall, probably it's a contest. But if it's like one talking about one project, you you've taken the cake several times. Anyway, I go into six projects. Um, I could have gone into more, but I decided not to. For, partly because <laughs> I knew that was coming, um, but also just because you know. We got time. We, we, I got time. You know, what I mean, just to you know, spend spend the next few days. You know, what I mean, just don't don't. I don't want to spend. I don't want to talk about nine projects. And you know I mean, like, I feel I feel six is a good medium. Anyway, uh, Ruby Rushton, uh, Gideon's Way. This is led by uh, Tendalonius, and uh, it really it's a it's a four track EP. It's not too long. Uh, well, in jazz world, it's not long. Uh, it's twenty minutes, and I just. I I I rate it all actually. I rate it all. It's all so bright and colourful. Uh, the horns on here are absolutely top tier. Absolutely love this uh, EP overall. Definitely gonna give it a few more listens. Uh, for the EP list next, later this year. Uh, yeah, man. Shout out to his way. I got in some mad good jazz this year, uh, this week, which is, uh, which is partly because I've been doing a UK jazz. Uh, uh, foray but you know it's good stuff anyway continuing on wesley joseph ultramarine i haven't peeped wesley joseph before it's the first time i have um and yeah he's, he's been getting a bit of guess uh since last year a couple of good singles here and there apparently and uh this is his first i think full project of any kind and uh i mean i say album but it's 26 minutes and eight songs so ep ep in my world um but yeah man apart from that it's really nice it's really nice uh he has a really uh, <laughs> i mean if it's if, if this is about like future talent yeah i, I think uh wesley joseph is a name to look out for um just from the fact that his rapping and his 
uh, stacked vocals and uh, singing ability are just re- just both really good, uh, both really up there. Um, I love the variety this uh, this uh, project has. Uh, it always has this, you know, just the theme of you know, water. I think it's, uh, sometimes the bass is just very drowny. Uh, very drowned out, and I really like that. I like that deep, drowny bass. Um, there was one track in the middle that basically turned into like a dance track. That was a nice little, uh, little nice little change of pace. And uh, Georgia Smith is featured on the last track, uh, which is you know can't complain about that ever. Um, so yeah, man, shout to Wesley Joseph on that front. Uh, continuing on with another Joseph. Don't know if they're related, but uh, Anthony Joseph. Uh, this is a <laughs> peep this name, peep this, peep, peep this project name. It's absolutely outstanding. <laughs> the rich are only defeated when running for their lives. <laughs> that's a fucking nice. Like, that's a top tier name. Like that's, that's that's top five this year already. Just 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 for name alone. Um, but yeah, man, this is a super p- uh, politically charged uh, jazz album. It reminds me of the Shabakar Chings and the Ancestors uh, album last year. Uh, you know, just very, uh, just just you know, jazz stuff going on in the background. But I'm assuming Santi Joseph on the vocals, and he's just like you know, shouting stuff, spoken wordy kind of uh, kind of thing going on. Uh, calling England home is just just hits so freaking nicely. Um, there, there's such a uh, the po- the poetry on that is uh, outstanding to me, and uh, I really like the I really like the the backing. Uh, uh, in- instrumentation behind him on that one is very uh, it has this dreary tone to it but there's also just a uh, a boldness as well and I really like that mixture um, it could e- I feel like you could easily get a bit lost in what he's trying to say uh, it, it just like it's not very uh, cohesive uh, on that on that front, he he goes all over the place of just what he says, um, but you can kind of get where he's going with it just from the instrumentation alone. Uh, but uh, yeah, apart from that potential trip up that you can have, you know, six songs, forty two minutes, um, perfect <laughs> perfect jazz kind of vibe on that front, just by just on that front. But yeah, man, come for the title, stay for the music, definitely. Uh, so shout down, Joseph. Uh, Nubian Twist, spell N-U-B-I-Y-A-N, Twist, uh, Freedom Fables, love the, uh, I love the album artwork on here, uh, don't know what the fuck's happening, I think it's like a, like, it's like a leopard's jumping through, through a ring, and the leopard's about to get something, I think it's a fish, I'm not sure, it's, it's, it's weird, um, but yeah, I love, love, love the energy of this album, um, it has this jazz. It's it's obviously jazz overall, uh, but the amount of uh, the amount of so, uh, the amount of genres they just throw in with it is just an absolute crazy mix. Uh, you got hip hop, you got Afrobeat, you got some soul, bit of reggae, uh, Latin elements as well, and uh, it's uh, it's a detail. It's a ten piece, uh, four piece horn, two vocalists, uh, electronics. And uh, rhythm section apparently uh, on the on the on what on what their show is. I'd love to see their live show actually. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, the features on here just really make it what it is. Uh, Ria Morana, Morning Lights, great. Uh, uh, buckle up, uh, so- Soweto Kinch on Buckle Up's great. Uh, Sharice comes in three times on this album and she just absolutely takes it 
every single time, especially with Keeper and Flo. Uh, Ego, Ellen May on 24-7, love. And uh, yeah, man, superb album. Really enjoyed it. Uh, just just, just for background alone, um, it's so nice to listen to. Uh, I was, I was like, listening to Walking the Dog, and I was just like, I was just busting a little bit of moves, you know what I mean? It's just, it, was, it was wonderful. Uh, what's next? Uh, Fillmore Green, uh, Knowledge and Power. Um, I've 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 kind of uh gotten onto Fillmore Green via uh via a friend of five unique, um and yeah he, he there's just a really good Chicago um collective here, and uh, Fillmore Greens are definitely one of those people, uh including you know someone like Vic Spencer and which who I really enjoy who features on this album as well on Cool Breeze, um it's it's got very um. You know, it's got this political element to it. You know, knowledge and power it, by the uh, by the album cover. You kind of see where he's going to go with it. Um, I do really like his uh, just bars overall. I think he's uh, really uh, uh, proficient at that uh, on that side. Uh, love the instrumentation. Uh, love the features. Peter Jericho on a uh, manage money is great. Follow my lead as well. Uh, Sky Zoo on what's your motivation? Bookend in that uh, particular track's great. Uh, and yeah, uh, and the th- samples, the samples all over here, are tough, tough samples, tough, tough, tough samples. Really enjoyed that. And lastly, uh, Frank Moody, spelled f- uh, F-R-A-N-C Moody, uh, House of FM. Um, this is technically eight eight songs in forty two minutes, but uh, it's basically four tracks and then four tracks repeated, but they're just uh, live editions. Um, so you know, take your pick, uh, wherever you're feeling. But uh, overall, it's just a really nice uh, kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I, guess, I guess, electro, electro dance thing going on. Uh, contemporary funk elements as well. It's very fascinating, honestly. And the vocals come through as well. Uh, yeah, it's just you know, it's just funky, disco-y, soulful. It's 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 great. It's a it's a great little project. Um, like I said, it's four tracks and doubled up for live uh, live versions as well. Um, so yeah, man, get your fill. Get your fill. It uh, should be, I think, if you split them in half, it's like 27 minutes, give or take. Uh, but yeah, man, I might I might class that as an EP and <laughs> see if I can <laughs> shove that into my <laughs> EP list because it's really enjoyable. Um, but with that said, uh, we shall hop into um, our topic of this episode. And this is a personal favorite, ladies and gentlemen. This is a uh, very subjective pick. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I do wonder if people just like see our picks and just wonder where the fuck we go with it and how we actually go about it. Um, I was just listening to Jurassic Five one time and I was just like, "Can we do Jurassic Five? Pebbles, <laughs> alright." So that's literally it. That's literally how loose we do it sometimes. I don't even think about it. It's just like, oh, "Do you want to do that? Yeah, go on then." Um, so you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, you know, if it, if it's a ma- if you, if you guys think uh, there's a there's a uh, we do it in a matter of like a uh, you know does this does this uh, artist deserve it? It's not really about that. It's just about what we feel, to be honest. Um, obviously, there's plenty of artists we haven't done yet that are very notable. Um, but you know, we'll get to it at some point. We got time. Don't worry. One day. Look, one, day time, one day, guys. I mean, and if you guys are really pressed about it, just like you know request go for it uh, i'm not gonna say no um but yeah with that said we are dr- doing Jurassic five uh, one of my favorite groups of all time um i love their energy all the time uh, every time i listen to them they're just completely replayable for me uh got some great sing- uh, got some gr- great tracks throughout their career um it's, it's just highlights everywhere you look and 
overall, I think individually, they're just really talented. Um, Charlie Tuna's, uh, you know, voice and, and just uh, 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 bars are just elite. Um, I love DJ Newmark as a DJ. Um, I love his uh, Zodiac tracks; they're amazing. Cut Chemist is a is a uh, a veteran as well. Uh, Soup as well. I, I think he, he did an album a few years ago that was uh, very interesting. Uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah, man, that's just some great people. All uh, it's just a really talented uh, underground uh, hip hop group uh, based in LA, and uh, and you wouldn't even know it's LA, but it's one of those things where like you listen to something and you don't really know where it's from. Like, it's LA based, but it's not LA at all. Um, it kind of honestly, I would pose a theory that this comes across as like second wave uh uh how would you how would you want to word it uh second wave uh sample heavy uh i don't know something it's, it feels second wave of something um i'll, I'll try and think about it because i've literally just thought about that uh, off the top of my head but there's a second wave nature of it like it, where you know this reminds me, they remind me a lot of, like, Arabi and Rakim in a way, not in just, like, the proficiency standpoint, you can debate that if you want, but I just mean in more, like, uh, how they uh, dole out uh, duties to not just the, not just the, the rappers in the group, but also the producers as well, where, you know, they have tracks sprinkled in here and there, especially throughout the first and second albums, where they have, um, well, second and third technically um where they just have you know just djs just doing their shit you know what i mean no 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 uh just samples beats going off for six minutes uh and i really like that i, I love that element of it and i feel like there's a second way of something there and uh yeah but anyway enough gushing from me <laughs> general thoughts uh what have you got for us today ben yeah so uh, they got six members Jurassic Five. They got uh, six members, which I always found interesting. Uh, Mark Seven, Charlie Tuna, Soup, Akil, Cut Chemist, and New Mark. Uh, originally, they were two separate groups, so they were Rebels of Rhythm and Unity Committee. Thus, the name of their first single, which is Unified Revolution, uh, Rebellion, Revolution. One of the two. Um, I'll get. I'll, I've written it down properly somewhere here. Uh, so. Unity Committee began in 1987 uh, with Cut Chemist, Charlie, and Mark Seven. They came together from three different cities. That's why Charlie says, you know, it's hard to pin their sound down. Chicago, New Jersey, and L.A., and they ended up congregating in L.A. Now, Cut Chemist grew into his position via the radio station K-Day, on which he recorded a station broadcast of a show by Run DMC. Now, he began his vinyl collection inspired by Jam Master J, and he ended up becoming known as the... The secret scratch guy at parties. That's what Cut Chemist was. Older DJs would smuggle him in and he'd scratch for them while they were spinning records. Uh, Charlie and Mark Seven went to school together and they formed the group before Cut Chemist came in. Cut met Charlie at a party and then history was made, obviously. They began making demos in the late 80s, recording out of Cut's mother's house, which is where they would record music all the way up until their deal. So out of uh, out of Cut Chemist's mother's house. It's very cool. Now, Charlie was a graffiti artist, and he actually did a lot of J5's early artwork. He was rapping, DJing, and breakdancing at the time. So he was ticking all the boxes. He ticked all the boxes. But he said that graffiti was his main uh, his main hobby and his main passion. 
Uh, Unity community was actually a, a huge collective. It had a lot of people in it, but you know, over time they began to drop away. Charlie said that they were explicitly trying to be the exact opposite of gangster rap. So they set themselves out to make music that was the exact opposite to that. Uh, the other half of the group, whilst all this was going on, was growing up in South Central, and that was Rebels of Rhythm. Now, Akil and Zakir, aka Soup, Akil said he would, uh, he, he said he popped and locked and did the robot a lot during his teenage years, and his dad was a DJ. Uh, Akil called him a selector more than a DJ, and Akil was informed by groups like Public Enemy. He actually thought about joining the army, but he ended up deciding to become an MC, which it felt like two really separate career choices. Um, I found I've never heard of a rapper flipping between joining the army and becoming a rapper. But yeah, I mean, it might be the first. I don't know. I could be missing someone there, but um, yeah, the, the the group ended up making. So this was Rebels of Rhythm. They ended up making a two-song cassette in 1992 that they sold at gigs. And it was their content that set them apart. Like, Soup was singing, they were harmonizing, and they performed live really, really well. Now, Soup's record label connections helped J5 a lot. He was an unpaid intern at Loud Records, and then he was an unpaid intern, or he might have been paid at, at Interscope. I wasn't sure about that. I couldn't find that. But um, he actually said explicitly, the connections I had definitely helped once we started. So DJ Newmark was the final piece. He was a drummer at the age of 12, and he had a friend who played bass and was a huge hip-hop fan, so that helped grow his love for the genre. And he said that Melly Mel was a huge influence, and they all came together at a club night called Rat Race. So Newmark said this explicitly, verbatim. He said, being there at Rat Race was a good example of me being in the right place at the right time. It was a night that moved around to different small spots. A lot of people wouldn't even remember it. It combined a live band with MCs that they would invite. I was a DJ, and because of that, I finally met MCs who knew about who knew as much about hip hop as I did. Like Soup, it was the last piece of the puzzle for me. So that was one of the nights. There was also Good Life, which is another night night spot, another kind of thing in the same realm where they all met regularly and really solidified their bond. And it was Good Life that gave Unity Community an audience where they were they were really loved at the event. They even appeared on a 1992 compilation album based off this alongside Mac-10 and Snoop Dogg. So the Good Life night was, was really key to them all coming together. They grew into this really beautiful collaborative spirit of a true collective bouncing off each other's energies and that of the crowd. Unity Committee loved Rebels of Rhythm, and they both had really unique qualities according to Soup. So despite the early success of Unity Committee, it was actually Rebels of Rhythm via Soup's industry connections that picked up the, the deal, the first real deal, which was Relativity. So that was for a demo, and they weren't actually signed per se. They were given money to record. And Newmark actually said... By 1994, all of us were shopping demos separately and nothing was happening. So Cut Chemist brought the beat for Unified Revolution and everything started to click. So it was just one song and one collaboration. And then one of the greatest hip-hop groups was born out of this song. And Cut Chemist said this. He said, in LA, there are a lot of styles of rap, but Rebels of Rhythm were unique in how they did what I would call harmony rap sing-songy types of rhymes like the force mcs and cold crush brothers they did it really well and at the time i was really digging into a lot of that real old school east coast rap i said i could really do something with those guys and then mark seven said 
Um, the common thing that brought Unity Committee and Rebels of Rhythm together was the type of hip-hop that we all liked. Rebels had a very old-school sound. They sounded like they was from the East Coast. That's what we all loved. When you put us together, it just blended so well. And after we met Newmark at Rat Race, he brought beats by Lucas' spot, and we all just hung out. There was never a time where we said, okay, let's put Newmark in the group. It all just happened. So at first, this song for them was just a song to play together at Good Life. But they put the song on all the different demos that they were recording everywhere. And people really liked it. So they pressed it up independently. They pulled their money and they pressed a thousand copies for four songs of this demo. And it was that song that that blew them up. It actually blew them up overseas. And this is a key part of their whole story. And I think like listening to the way that they talk about it and listening to what Charlie said about them not being specifically LA, there's a mishmash of so many different elements and that's probably why it wasn't massive in the u.s at the time because even you know obviously then the east and west coast were very defined in the way that their music was sounding and so maybe the 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 different sounds that they were bringing together appealed more to people from overseas rather than people locally that's all i can think because Mm. you know the the um in the uk mr mr bongo which was a a independent record uh company was was they they were the one that uh, released this and and distributed this and it was blowing up it was blowing up man it was crazy and off the back of this TVT signed them for a single which was a twelve inch and the name of their group was actually too long to fit on the twelve inch record so they named themselves J Five and TVT and Blunt Records dropped the ball man I want to do a retrospective one day on TVT and it will blow some minds it will I've heard a lot of interviews. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know about this, Charlie? Like the amount of people that they've. I I, I literally I, I was literally just like I, I clicked on the I clicked on their thing while while you were talking and it was like yeah. it's roster included. I was just like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what? For the amount of interviews I've heard, how with, you fumble like, that? current legends and and current just being like, yeah, we were on TVT or we were talking to TVT and and it didn't it didn't work out. I'm like. TVT, like what the hell? But anyway, that's for another day. But uh, yeah, so they recorded their debut EP, and J5's ability to traverse land and sea struck again. This they were blowing up in Japan at this point, like they didn't even know how it was happening. But the 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 music was like popular in Japan. It did so well in the UK and Europe um, that they were playing shows to twelve thousand people in Europe before they even had an album out. Like, they were playing festivals without an album. It was crazy. Just this EP, their debut EP. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just it's such a fascinating early story. And they, they, they did sound like other artists at the time, but it sounded like a fresh and relevant update on golden era sounds and themes. That's what it sounds like to me. Like, Cut Chemist said that LA was the perfect place for this because he said their sound was too situated in old-school New York energy. Um, that they'd be seen as a throwback, whereas in LA they were seen as something a little bit different. So they they snuck in just before the group dynamic really began to fall away in hip hop, which was the late nineties. And yeah, there's a spontaneity to their music and a laid back atmosphere that just gives rise to this free association and free expression. And naturally, beginning their careers performing at open mic nights and live bands. It just makes sense. Like they just have that feel on on wax, but their early story is is really interesting. Yeah, that's um that 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 whole I like I like the you know just two two things and then they just like mm. mash together and it's just completely 
it, I, I love the organic nature of that. It's, it's so fascinating to me. And also the fact that, <clears throat> uh, that they, you know, blew up internationally. I always find that interesting in just how that kind of thing works. I can understand why J5 would be uh, so popular in somewhere like the UK. I can, I can, I, I can kind of see why that would be the case. Because you know, we we also did um, you know, we did the retrospective on like you know London Posse and that, well, Rodney Pierce spe- uh, specifically, and you know, I can see, I I can see like a, a you know the Rodney P London Posse kind of thing going on. I can I can make parallels between that and J Five, and obviously Chai Toon was on a, a Roots Maneuvers album, I think the second album. Mm. So um, you know, there, there's some I can see I can I can see the crossover there, and I can imagine you know hit UK hip hop fans being into something like J Five, and you know, hopping straight into uh, their first EP slash album is a lot. Um, so obviously we have the Jurassic Five EP that you're mentioning. Um, and then, uh, I think it's like a couple years later, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, just a little bit apart, but basically the same thing, the album and the EP, both named Jurassic five, except the Jurassic five EP has EP in the middle in, in the name, but it's basically the same project, um, highlighted by the, uh, complete classic that is concrete schoolyard it's uh, it's like five six minutes and it's just uh yeah it's just it's just wonderful to listen to it's got that it's just got that throwback feel and it's interesting you mentioned that throwback feel on the if if you know they were just new york bass i can that's kind of like where i go to uh when i sometimes listen to them i'm just like bro if it if it were New York bases, they'd be. Uh, how did they? Did they even make it anywhere in like the East Coast? Because this is just sounds so throwback. If mm. it, if it's like if they if they if they try, trying to sell this in New York, they'd be just like, bro, what, it's not ninety two anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, even with that said, and uh, it comes more to the 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 the, the other three albums uh, especially. But you know, with this one in particular, I can see the throwback nature of it, but. One thing that I just enjoy about Jurassic Five is like the, I'm I'm gonna call it like the barbershop, um, the 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 barbershop quartet kind of vibe they do, where you know just during choruses or uh uh or just the, or just the posse cut kind of vibe actually just you know link it to something to more hip hop no uh, hip hop bass, you know they just sometimes do hooks together. Or uh, you know when they have a when they have a punchline coming, they all say at the same time like it's a live recording or like it's a, a live show because obviously a lot of live uh, shows do that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, just you know, whenever I don't know like I've seen Schoolboy Q a couple of times, and you know uh, uh, every time a punchline comes in, the DJ says it as well. Uh, Sims as well. You know, loads of people do that. They have other people say it with them, um, but Jurassic Five just have that ingrained and it's in the tracks and it just gives you that community feel and it's so warm and inviting when you listen to it that's for me personally um but that's more of an overall point but yeah the album's uh yeah a super solid uh i i really enjoy the uh like i said you know the uh the more uh obviously concrete schoolyards a classic but you know you also have J- 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 U, I forgot, I forgot i think it's called J- U. um 
and also stuff like Lesson Six Lecture, which is just uh, I think a, I think that's the pure um, DJ cut, and you know, I love that kind of. I, I'm always here for that variety, um, and giving the uh, giving the DJ slash producer just you know just some uh, just some room to flex and to to get some to get some start get their work in. And yeah, man, it's a it's a solid album. It's it's, it's clean. It's, I can't I, I can't really complain about it. Um, there is a deluxe edition on Spotify if you guys want to go peep that as well. There's a lot of uh, other stuff there um, to get into, including Unify Revolution, which um, uh, Ben was obviously mentioning at the start. Uh, a couple of freestyles here and there. So yeah, man, there's plenty to chew on if you want to really just be geeky with it. Um, but the album itself is uh, actually very short uh, it's literally the ep plus a few more tracks just to pad it uh to make it about 30 something minutes um but yeah it's a clean album yeah i mean it was more about getting something out there and, and striking while yeah pretty much they <laughs> had the, you know they had the buzz and um i mean off that off that record obviously they started uh being courted by record labels and interscope was the one that they ended up signing with and then they um you know, obviously, we get quality control out of that. But prior to quality control, they were recording their music at, at Cut Chemist's mother's house, which is really cool. You know, it had that basement feel, but it's really obvious that the major label saw value in giving them a recording budget and pushing them. And uh, I never heard them ever say anything negative about the record label. You know, I, all the all the interviews I saw, it was just, you know, it was a rare, rare thing for groups around this time. And... Um, if we jump into quality control, because I think you handled the first one, I think that's pretty yep, much yep, everything. Yep. Um, yeah, they said that the recording studio actually for quality control was essential to the vibe. And this is the key the key to J5. It's, it's fun, but it's vital at the same time. And they said the studio was small and funky and eclectic, and the recording process was really quite haphazard and entirely dependent on energy and vibe. And the beats would be made, and then the MCs would just be sitting around chatting and kind of letting the energy evolve and... They said once the energy was right, they'd go in and record. And Mark said Seven said their their recording process was entirely dependent on the type of song. Some songs they'd go over with a fine tooth comb. Others they'd just let it unfold and, and write their pieces separately and deliver them. And their process was simply allowing the creativity to strike when it struck and, and not to force anything. And the the Interscope deal was really I mean, it obviously it blew them up everywhere and it was essential to them getting the the, distrib- the distribution that they deserved. And Newmark said it was taboo back then for an indie group like us to sign with a major. You were supposed to somehow stay indie forever, but we wanted videos. We wanted to blow up. Shit got real with Interscope. In a lot of ways, it was the beginning of our loss of innocence, but you can't stay stay the same forever. And Mark Seven said even, when, even after we were on Interscope, we didn't do the big studio thing with a million-dollar engineer. So, like... It's like they kept it. They kept it to the essence, and I really like that. And the cover, the cover is actually pretty, pretty cool. The the story to it's cool. Um, they said we went to Northern Cali to a forest outside of the bay to find a stump for the cover. We picked it out ourselves. There was a spot we found that had nothing but tree stumps. We looked around for an hour until we found the right one. Then our manager Dan Dalton find a found a guy to carve our logo into it. And Newmark had the idea to make it into a turntable. We had it shipped down to LA for that picture. I think Dan Dalton still has a stump in his yard. Like it's pretty cool. And the album dropped, and obviously, uh, 43 on Billboard 200, it went gold in the UK. It was received really well, 77 on Metacritic. 
but their album's success overseas meant they had a guaranteed income now for the rest of their careers, and their fan base overseas was genuinely huge, so much so that they went on the fucking Warped Tour in the year 2000 with Weezer, NoFX, and Papa Roach, and it fit, you know, it works, because J5 were a band, like, they just had that feel, and Charlie said, uh, that album was our milestone, it was a triumph for us, like, we did it, that's how it felt, it solidified that we were actually in the music business, even after how well the EP had done, we got to do pretty much everything we wanted to do on quality control, and it felt amazing, it sounded like one song to me, like how I heard De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising for the first time, everything flowed, that's the feel, man. That's that's hundred percent. I can't say it any better than that. I need uh, I, I need that uh, that tree stump to be uh, donated to the Universal Hip Hop Museum. That'd be just Classic. so fucking sick to just yeah. look at. Like that's just a, <laughs> so it's so clean. Uh, I remember looking up the vinyl for it, and uh, I think the you you can see that you know if you if you really look close on the album cover itself, you can obviously see the turntable bit. But uh, in the on the back of the vinyl, uh, it's it's really up close. It's just like the whole thing, so you can really see it. And uh, I just love uh, I love that as a as a as a, like a I don't know like a like it's like a prop. Yeah, you know I mean it's just it's like a just a historical prop. I I, I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, man, this album is great. I I love this album. Uh, it's it's really light. Uh, I love Great Expectations. Um. You know, kill Gerstos on that one. Go going off on that. Tuna on the second verse, great. Uh, Sakia bringing it home. Uh, World of Entertainment is 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 so fascinating as a track. Uh, just just the hook for that is is great. Welcome to the wonderful world of entertainment where life imitate art and people get famous. Welcome to the world of showbiz arrangement where lights, camera, action is the language. This is, I don't know. I just, I like the, I like the showmanship ship nature of this, uh, of this particular album. Uh, and then you get to sign like Monkey Bars, um, which obviously uh, is referencing the uh, children's playground equipment. I, I, I feel like, <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna say it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what? I'm, I'm not even gonna bother. Not even, not, no, not even gonna bother. Not say, even gonna bother. I'm curious. Like, what? No, I, I just, I've just never really vibed with the term monkey bars. Like, I know why it's called monkey bars, but I just feel like that's just that you're just asking for for, for that to be racialized. If at some point, I don't know, Bro, I mean, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm digging up some uh, no. uh, 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 secret memory of what's it a repressed memory from my brain. Maybe not sure. Don't you know want to was, right now. But. You know what I was just doing while you were, while you're doing that? I was literally googling that term to see if it was racially insensitive because i'm it sounds it it sounds it like uh, i mean you could you could do it <laughs> you, it's easy um i'm, I'm sure i i don't even know because like i had monkey bars in primary school when i was about i don't know five like from from how, when does primary school start like four five yeah something like four five and you know, until about uh, the age of uh when do i get into junior school i don't know but yeah early years right and it was, it was monkey bars there and I don't know if anyone racialized me at that point. I I don't really have the good memory of it, but I just I just wonder. I I just wonder maybe uh, if that has ever happened to anybody. I do too. Anyway, yeah, that's side interesting. note aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we're on the same level there for once. Like I was like freaking out. I'm like, what is that term? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I I, I get it because you know monkey swing, but you know. Anyway, um, uh, what was that? But yeah, that's that's a good track for you know for just for the just for kicks. Um, but also, I love the finish of this. 
what 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 album what hip hop album are you listening to where the final track is literally like a mishmash of thirties swing jazz like, <laughs> like I don't know where the hell that came from but just listening to that is actually quite quite a bop to be honest but like just just how they took thirty swing jazz and just threw it at the end of the album uh just i don't know just uh it, it, fa- it fascinates me it blows my mind a little that just to have the uh creative nuts to even try that <laughs> and uh not alienate anyone but uh yeah man it's it's it's, it's interesting it's uh it adds some variety uh to the whole thing obviously it finishes it off quite fascinatingly uh, i guess yeah, so um, I mean, it's just standard, like uh, to me anyway, for for J Five to say that, like, uh, it doesn't surprise me because yeah. they're just eclectic as hell, man. So eclectic. So we get their next album, Power in Numbers, and uh, I just see cool, cool, cool. <sighs> I think sometimes their message gets a bit lost in the beautiful, beautiful aesthetic, which is you know, is the, the aesthetic's great, but um, it reminds me a little bit of Tribe in that sense, where I don't know that everyone is understanding the yeah, I can see that. I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, like everything's really tight, but um, yeah, there's there's all over this this record political and social messaging. Like freedom, obvious, is a criticism of of large corporations and and governments exerting control over people. Remember his name, very very powerful song. Even Thin Line is a song in this vein, which is really talking about relationships between men and women and and love in a platonic versus an intimate sense. It's very deep and. I think their lyrical content has always been an underrated aspect of their artistry to me. Uh, I don't also think they get the credit they deserve for the production. Like the early drumming skills really permeate every song here. Like uh, break sounds really smooth. You know, everything is just, everything is smooth. feels like someone's mixing really, really well, but not over mixing, you know, just really, really well. And Again, I don't have a lot to say about this album. It's, it's all three of their albums, or four of their albums, if you include their debut, they sound similar. It's not like they're they're changing their sound dramatically, um, but they're all good. They're all really, really good. And I think this album is just as good as their debut. When number fifteen, it was received really well, seventy six on Metacritic. It's always interesting to listen to J five and then think you're listening to something from nineteen ninety two, and then you're like, oh wait, this is from like what oh three oh four, and it's like. It's a bit of a trip sometimes when when you recognize that this was coming out around that time and I was actually listening to this music uh probably mid 2000s I bought their I bought Quality Control and then I bought Power and Numbers probably a couple of weeks after that cuz I enjoyed Quality Control so much and yeah I had no idea that it was so 2000s I had no I literally had no idea so um Power and Numbers man it's, it's a good album I, it's not a huge uh, step away from their debut but yeah, I was sorry from their second album quality control but it's just it's good it's good quality yeah uh, it's just probably my favourite album just from the uh, just from the top songs especially uh, for me <coughs> uh, Day at the Races is uh, I would put forward as one of the most underrated posse cuts of all time uh, just having those I think it's like six verses, if I'm uh, if I if I'm correct. Yeah, six verses, and every single one of them has just absolute crazy highlights. Like, so it's a a kill Zakir, uh, Percy P comes through, Big Daddy Kane comes through, mm. and then Charlie and uh, Mark Seven on the final two, and they 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 just all have just 
absolute crazy bars and they all have they, and they all set set apart as well none of them sound the same the flows are different every time and the beat behind it is so freaking clean i've heard it on a soundtrack somewhere but i forget maybe in the tony hawk game i'm not really sure i can't remember but yeah i, I love that track for just from from start to finish uh what's golden is a is obviously one of the most popular tracks uh from j5's uh, ca- whole catalog thin lines always fascinating to me just from the fact that nelly Furtado's on here and i'm just like <laughs> when, 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 when did that when did that phone call come through it's just uh that's that's just fascinating to me uh freedom of course break is a good shout actually uh but also high fidelity um i just love the I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like it should be on a skateboard video. You know what I mean? When you just watch one of them videos, mm-hmm. and you know some of them, not <clears throat> yeah. You know, when it comes to like skateboard videos, it's either like you know the real that really fast like fast paced rock music, or just that really chill hip hop music. Yeah. And then there's like something like this in the middle where like uh, just somebody's mad confident and uh, they're just flicking, they're just flicking boards and stuff like that. Uh, they just have high fidelity in the background. It just, if I'm basically saying, if I ever did a skate video, this is the song I'd pick. Basically, that's basically what I'm saying. Uh, but I can't ride a skateboard, so not, not gonna, that's not gonna happen. Um, but again, at the end of the album, still fascinating to me the fact that they just have a uh, a, a full on. I think this. I think acetate profits is like six minutes. Um, it goes. It goes on for a while, and uh, and basically bleeds into uh, 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 cuts cuts into like several songs. Actually, there's like there's like several mini songs in between in, in between each other, and uh, that's 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 always cool. But yeah, man, I just really enjoy this album, especially just the middle of this album. Just goes off for me um, from like uh, maybe. For maybe like react to high fidelity, just those that that middle of the album just absolutely slaps for me. I, I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, man, uh, how much is that vinyl going for, bro? I need to might might have to inquire. <laughs> yeah, man, mortgage your house, get the vinyl. Oh gosh, don't don't say that. <laughs> I'm looking up right now. If it actually costs bad money, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> I'd be interested to know. It's interesting you say that about um you know being on soundtracks. I just I googled them. Just to look at the soundtracks. Oh, there are so many. So many. Bro. So, Grind Session, uh, Jet Set Radio, ATV, Off-Road Fury 2, Hoffman's Pro, BMX, Forza Horizon 3, um, (laughs) Tony Hawk's Underground, NBA 06, NBA Live. Yeah, Tony Hawk's Underground. A Day at the Races. A Day at the Races? Is that what you said? That's the one. That's the one. Yep, yep. I love that game. That's the best game. Um, yeah, NBA Live 06, yep, yeah, they did that. I was in the house. It, uh, yeah, in the house. I remember that one. And yeah. also uh, Red Hot, SSX on tour. I remember that one as well. Yeah, man, you got that far. You, you're right on. Sorry, I'm yawning. You're right on. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> they were just like, uh, that's a lot of money too when you think about it. That's a lot of money that they're making mm-hmm. off that. That's, um, that's very cool. Just on the vinyl thing, it's interesting you say that because just remembering something that I read was that when they did their the quality control deal with Interscope, they actually retained the vinyl rights. And so they every vinyl copy you buy of uh, quality control new is 100% of the money going to, to J5. So that was pretty cool. thought that was really uh, sweet. Good thinking too because it's definitely a vinyl. They're definitely a vinyl group, you know. Um, so feedback. Cut Chemist left the group in early 2004. So this was the only 
album by the group is an actual five five people and again it's it's much the same it's i can't really fault it in any way uh it was it was updated in a slightly different way like uh radio sounds like an eric b or large professor beat with a with a 2006 sheen i definitely got that feel uh gotta understand somehow does sound like 2006 but also 1972 at the same time like it's this is this was their appeal to me they made old school beats to sound like the year that they actually dropped that's very that's hard to do and they really leaned into the whole band thing on here they got the dave matthews band in on on work it out that song has 11.7 million spotify streams it was a very smooth rock song you know uh get it together like a, a boom back song made in 1981 I found it ironic that Future Sound is actually the biggest throwback on the album. Uh, nothing against it, of course. Like it's, just, it's the real throwback. Um, it's interesting that I was reading a few reviews about this record and, and people talking about it, and this Future Sound idea was something that apparently J5 were really important, uh, really impressed upon people. And a lot of the reviews I, I read were, I wouldn't say critical, but they were curious as to where this future sound was coming from because they felt like it was too much of a throwback. And maybe maybe J5 tre- uh, towed that line a little bit too much. You know, maybe they... But I personally... I mean, maybe for, the, for those, those reviewers, but I don't feel that way at all. I feel like they dropped four very, very good quality records, all in the same, in a similar vein, but all different enough that you didn't just put them on and it just sound like the exact same thing, you know? And um, yeah, I think if if Quality Control's a 9 and their second album's an 8.5, and I think Feedback's an 8 to me. Like, I don't see... I, I do appreciate there's a couple of songs on here with a little bit more electro in them, and I really would have been interested to see where J5 would have gone if they continued in that, that vein and, and brought in... I don't want to say... Uh, artificial instruments but everything they made it sounded like a band made it you know it sounded like like real instrumentation they were like they had double basses on on songs and it was like this proper jazz rap proper alternative rap kind of thing and yeah i would have been really interested to see if they'd taken it in that direction as a few of the groups that we've done have done but um I can't fault it at all, man. This is a, the most recent album we got from them in 04. So, oh, 06, sorry, it came out, I think. So, um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting. And, like, uh, yeah, I'll talk about their breakup after Charlie talks about feedback. But, yeah, it's an interesting final record to leave us with. Yeah, um, I, I, I was trying to, when I realized it was the, um, uh, there are now a quintet and obviously Clark Chemist left. I was trying to, I was trying to like listen to it in that, in that lens of like, is it in the same, in the same way we were listening to, um, uh, listening to Far Side, and obviously they broke up and then we were like listening to Humboldt Beginnings and stuff like that. And you know, I was just like trying to think about it in that lens of, are they suffering because this person left? And, in the same vein of this and trying to look at cut chemist, I was trying, I, was, I couldn't, I, th- I feel like if I, if you really forced me to, I'd say there's something different, but like, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint what it is. Um, it, with that said, they do have, uh, several, uh, notable names, um, that aren't named DJ Newmark on production. Um, Salam Remy's on the radio. 
uh, uh, Scott Storch does a brown girl with brick and lace. Uh, Exile does baby please. Salam Remy uh, comes back again with an end up like this and get it together. Uh, I love get it together. I I, just, <laughs> I love that track. And uh, uh, and also Red Hot, which I uh, init- uh, which I mentioned already. Um, but yeah, I I just can really. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't really find anything, uh, you know, horrible. Like, like, you know, they they suffered from cut chemi- from cut chemist's uh, uh, absence. I can't really say it. I can't really say it's better or worse. Um, I still just prefer Power and Numbers, just because I love some of the songs on Power and Numbers, and I just have a good uh, relationship with those particular songs. Um, I don't think uh, the uh, the fifty seven percent on twenty six reviews is uh, is is accurate. That's that's a that's uh, that's a bit uh, absurd to me, um, but it is what it is. But yeah, um, I can't I can't I can't complain with this album. I can't I really can't like uh, uh, again again. I just I just don't know why I find it so fascinating with the, how the end albums and just having this Canto uh, de Asana, uh, which it was a single. Uh, I, f- I feel like that was a bit of a flop. They shouldn't have that. As a single. <laughs> that seems like an album cut, not a single cut. But that's just me. Um, but yeah, and that has obviously the Latin thing going on. That's just crazy to me. So you had a, um, well, you had a, uh, what was it? Um, fuck, what was the quality control one? <laughs> fuck, <laughs> already tripped up. Um, but yeah, you have the you have the Latin one on. Uh, you have the Latin uh, uh, vibe on the last track for uh, in uh, for um, feedback. Uh, you have Aztec Profits, which is just all over the place, and then you have Swing Set, obviously, there you go, and, that, and they're all completely different, and I just love that, I, I love how they just finish albums, I don't know why, it's just an interesting motif that comes across, uh, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I need more. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, they, they broke up, they broke up, so, they obviously have since reformed but cut chemist left in 04 and he said in an interview that he actually had a deal with warner and put out his solo album and that helped him to move away from the group but he also said the group did break up in 07 it was because they weren't getting along anymore and soup actually really confirmed this at the time he said after the tour that's basically it i don't want to sit here and fake around with it we're not seeing eye to eye right now people see us as harmonizing loving group but it's far from the truth and he also says some people may say it's a creative thing but i'm not buying it some might say business some might say merchandising whatever some really stupid shit some really childish things happening some people here want their own shine their own thing but um they talked about you know uh, uh, reuniting in 2010 and it ended up happening in 2014 and cut chemist said i think any past disagreements became irrelevant uh, it had just been so long and people were doing their own thing outside of the group and it gave them the perspective of what they can do on their own and what they bring to the group. I think the split reinforced everybody's idea of themselves and it's given us a more professional approach this time around. We'll be taking it year by year. As long as we have a project and work to do this year, we're good. Last year was a reunion. This year it's going to expand the brand and get it back up and running. And, you know, they dropped customer service in 2016, which is a last i think the last original song we've gotten from them and it's another one of these retrospectives that just kind of kind of peters out you know it, it makes sense to me it does make sense that this happens you know pretty often because 
it's not easy, man. It's not easy keeping this all together, and and especially a group with six people and five at the end. But that's a lot of people. You know, that's a lot of people. Is a lot of conversations that have to be had. A lot of people have to put their egos to the side. A lot of people aren't going to have their creative ideas given as much uh, weight and airtime as other people. And yeah, man, it's, it's it must be hard. It must be hard keeping people keeping groups together for that long. I think I think what is the key seems to be is that people have healthy work outside of the group where they can leave the group and go and do their own thing. But then that's a double-edged sword because when people do that, they can see, you know, we saw it with Fuji's where they were just like, well, actually, we're just going to do these solo things because we don't need the group. We can do a solo. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I'm similar to Charlie. I would have... It's one of those ones, like, I think with Farside, we really saw them all the way through. We saw them go all the way through to the end. Yeah. And I don't think we saw that with J5. I just don't think we saw that. And, uh, you know, just as a... As a, a thrown in another wrinkle in that, uh, you know, why, why groups split up and that kind of thing. Um, I feel like it helps having uh, your outside lives connected as well. Mm-hmm. And considering where, and considering how uh, spread out these guys were, just from an origin standpoint, uh, I think the fact that they got four albums out is kind of a miracle. Um, if you just account for potential just life changes and stuff like that, uh, you know, if people are starting families or whatever, moving about, etc., etc., whatever, whatever just life getting in the way. The fact that they got four albums out and only one person, you know, def- left in the in the period of making stuff, um, I find that kind of a miracle uh, if, you, if, you, if, if you try and think about it like that. Um, but again, I try not to think like that and just wish there was more. <laughs> but, uh, but, for you know, from what I get, uh, it's, 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 some, it's some great stuff to always chew on. Uh, consistently replayable for me personally, and uh, yeah, man, it's just a uh, just just great vibes overall. Just listening to these guys and just watching how, uh, well, listening to how uh, proficient they are on both sides of the music making process, and uh, just a consistent quality and consistent, uh, I think artistic the- uh, thematic. Uh, thematic focus they have is uh, just great to me. So shout out to Jurassic Five. Uh, and uh, as a side note, as I was looking up uh, 2016 reissue, uh, two LPs, uh, 45 quid plus shipping in uh, mint condition. That's expensive. Yeah, yeah. That's eighty dollars yeah. Australian. That's a lot of money, man. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. <laughs> But it's mint. <laughs> yeah, I know, but fuck, man. I ain't getting some of these shit mint, man. Like. <laughs> but see, my, my vinyls are never going to end up mint. You know what I always think? Like, I don't... I take them out. I'd I try throw... to go for mint. But what? But I don't understand. Like, I don't care. Like, it's just like... I do understand. Yeah. I want that beautiful copy when it first comes out. Like, uh, when I got uh, Speaker Box, Love Below, I was like, I'm keeping this mint forever. Within a week, I'd like dropped it oh, and. I'm like, not keeping it mint. 
I just want to get it, bit. <laughs> but what's the, what's the point then? What's the point if you spend an extra? If you're spending like fifty percent more on the price just to get it mint, just to not have it mint within three weeks. It's not like, even that. It's not even that high. I think uh, not, not in like overall price. I think uh, in terms of comparing it to the others, it's not even that deep to be honest. So it might as well just go for mint. Like oh. especially from a especially from because obviously Discogs uh, when I'm looking it up in the directory, you know they judge it by a sleeve and actual, you know. The, the the apparatus you are using so you know i don't i wouldn't really care if like the sleeves a bit you know scuffed or whatever but i want the vinyl itself to be oh. you know yeah you know mint or near mint yeah the because, vinyl has to be yeah i agree with yeah, that yeah unless 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 you want to be really if if you're like that kind of uh well let's just hop in straight to a liner because it's basically a liner um you know just talking about vinyl now <laughs> like if, if you if if you're really one of those people, and I don't, I I'm not one of these people yet because I am not financially on that level that yet. But I'd love to get to this level at some point, where people like a copying, you know, first editions of of certain albums, you know, from like four years ago or whatever. And if it's like in very good plus condition, uh, people are gonna fucking yeah. run that shit. <laughs> They're gonna run for the hills for that kind of that kind of work because. That's a rarity, right? Um, I have vinyl that I don't even know can actually play. Um, just, yeah, I, I don't even know if they can actually play. But if they can and it actually sounds okay, you, 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 might be getting, you might be getting some good pee from that. You know what I mean? So, you know, obviously it's a... Some people see, you know, vinyl and collecting in general, obviously. You know, people do it with different things, Uh from from vinyl to shoes to Pokemon cards to cars, like you know, obviously it's a spectrum on that front. But um, at the moment, I just see myself as like that dude that just wants to cop some good vinyl for himself. And uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously going to try and keep it a good nick. Why would you not try and keep it a good nick, right? Um, but uh, you know, down the line. So I'm, you can easily be one of those people that is trying to find a Dizzy Gillespie vinyl, and it costs two hundred quid and it's near mint. Now that's a rare, that's a rare motherfucker right there. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, re- regular people wouldn't understand that, and uh, you know that's that's fine. Um, and to be honest, I don't want to, ma- I don't want to be that guy. Uh, to be completely real with you, I'm, f- I'm, I'm fine with reissues. Uh, I'm 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 fine with that. Like, uh, you know, I'm heavy into like look, just drooling, drooling over vinyl me pleases. Uh, consistent monthly reissues. Um, that just looks so fucking creamy every single month. Um, so you know that's my steez. I'm cool with that. I'm not really that kind of person that oh, it must be a first edition. It must have dropped. It must be one of the one of the first presses. Like I, I, I don't care that much. Like if it's a if it's a 25th anniversary reissue, I'm taking that to the bank. You know what I mean? So I'm not I'm not too hoity-toity about vinyl, but um, I can see why people are about it like that because they see value in that. But um, I, 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 I'm cool. <laughs> I'm I'm fine with that as long as the fucker plays and it's in good and it's in mint condition. Hope uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, optimally, I'm cool. I'm taking it to the bank. How much do you want for it? Yeah, I mean, I've been um, I've been collecting vinyl for 
what, 20 years, 18 years, and I'm a massive first edition fan. Like, I, because I've been spoiled. Uh. I've been spoiled. So when I first started collecting vinyl, no one was collecting vinyl. Like, there were, I was buying records for 20 bucks at my local uh, record store that are worth five, six, seven hundred dollars $700 now because no one was buying them back then, mm. and then they were super rare. So I ended up having, like, first editions. I ended up having, like, this whole collection of first editions and now I feel elitist in the sense of like, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't get non, I feel weird buying a reissue to, is what I'm trying to say. It just feels weird to me. I don't know why. It's just stupid. It's a, it's a thought thing. It's got, got anything to do with anything. I still do buy reissues occasionally, but like, uh-huh. because I've got those first editions and actually like one of the saddest things that ever happened to me with regards to my vinyl collection um I, so we have this huge house we have a huge house and i've lived in it most of my life and my parents go on like long trips so for for months i'll be here just you know it's, it's a massive house man it's, it's old and there's a lot of shit goes wrong with it and the whole bottom floor just oh, part of your bent house yeah I mean, well the whole bottom floor just just clogged up the drain clogged up so like when i had tried to have a shower the bathtub would fill up with water I couldn't, I, the, the, the sinks wouldn't empty, all this shit. It was terrible. I tried for three straight days to clean, to to, to get it all done because I had no money at the time. So I ended up having to call in a plumber and it cost like $1,000. So I sold two of my placebo first edition vinyls for $500 each because I couldn't afford it. I had to I had to sell my vinyls so that I could pay the plumber. It was rough, man. It was really, it was not, not cool. I put, I put on the credit card. And then um, I think I had an X amount of days, 30 days or something to pay before I started incurring the, the, the costs. And yeah, sold my vinyls and it was really sad. But my vinyl collection is actually worth quite a lot of money. I really like it. But it certainly can be an addiction. And when I say I, I don't mind having paying less for something that's you know a little bit scuffed, I'm thinking in terms of volume. Like I'm thinking if I pay $80 for a quality control mint version what if I paid $40 for one that wasn't mint and then I could pay $40 for another vinyl I really like? You know what I mean? Like I'm going I'm going volume okay. wise. So mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. I uh I've, I think I've got maybe maybe 100 records now, something like that. So um nice. I have I have a big collection and uh yeah, I really like vinyl. I really do. And you know what? I've been starting to appreciate CDs a lot more lately as well because yeah, I, yeah, I posted. <laughs> I posted something the other day, right? Because I posted my um, I posted my Jay Z, uh, my Jay Z ranking on Instagram on my Instagram story via uh, just all the actual physical copies, and someone just said, "Hey man, where do you buy CDs from?" And I was like, "Wow, man!" Like I said, I bought them from the store, and this person replied, "What store?" <laughs> Like eBay, and I was like, no, I went to the store, man. Like JB Hi-Fi and Sanity and and all that place, but that shit doesn't exist anymore. And it, it's CDs are almost becoming a throwback now. When I posted up about Eminem, it was an Eminem show uh, anniversary a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and I posted my copy. Everyone was like, "Is that a first edition?" And I'm like, first edition, it's a CD." But apparently the first edition CDs are worth a lot of money now. So it's just like, man, it's, just, it's crazy. But I'm a massive physical copy fan. I'm a huge physical copy fan. I love my physical copy collection. Yeah, that's fair. I, 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 see, I see where you're coming from in, that, in terms of obviously, you know, volume and stuff like that. Um, I think my collection's like, uh, it's coming it's coming together. Like uh, the, the 
<clears throat> it's obviously I've had it, I've been embargoed myself for the past uh, for the past year and only have broken that embargo only recently um uh with a uh, just copying you know little sims and uh, uh another another artist uh, Joel Culpepper and um you know I I I I I feel like you know I've got about uh I've got 44 in my collection um but I also have like a, a tub uh, like a little a big box of uh, stuff I've inherited and I haven't really dug into yet so um I might have to barcode some of those and see what see what's up um but you know I might ha- honestly now I'm thinking about it I have a uh, I have a Whitney I think I've, I think so first album the title the title album the self-titled yep uh I I I could take a guess and say that's first edition um I'm not sure if it is I'm pretty I'm pretty confident it is um so yeah I might I might you know what I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna. I'm gonna spend uh, a day, maybe Tuesday, and uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna barcode some of my some of my inherited albums and see and see <laughs> and see what they're and see what they're saying. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell, but you know, I, I just want to see what the what, what the what the tally says uh, overall and collection wise. But um, also, uh, just to you know, finish up, guys. Um, little announcement. Uh, when this episode drops, speaking of Tuesday, uh, as you guys know, obviously uh, deals drops on a Tuesday. Um, uh, the Beauty of Independence has uh, obviously Ben's uh, little mini series is now an official Five EPN original series, mm-hmm. uh, so it's all grown up, um, and uh, now has its own uh, dedicated uh, feed. Uh, all the past four episodes are there is it four or five now but yeah um but yeah the 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 episodes you see on the ditd feed uh excuse me are on are now on the uh beauty of independence i will uh, i'm gonna drop the links um along with the rest of the five vpn uh shows and description so you can go give that a peep if you want or just search beauty of independence wherever you get wherever you uh, listen to this podcast go do the same for that uh, give it a subscribe. All that, all that, all that. And uh, he recently, uh, Ben recently dropped a new episode, a brand new episode. So it's it's fully. If you want to peep the next few episodes, however however many there are now for the first season, uh, they are going to be exclusively on its own feed. The Beauty of Independence. Go peep. Go spin. And the ones that are currently on the DITD feed uh, will be gone by. Wednesday, which is the day after this episode drops. So as soon as you listen to this, assume that the DRTD feed uh, has been uh, rid of the T-Boy, as I like to call it, Mm -hmm. um, the T-Boy episodes, and they will be exclusively on the T-Boy feed. And I think that's it, yeah. (laughs) Go go spin! Wait till you guys see the one that I'm doing at the moment. I just spent like five hours yesterday maybe it was the day before just transcribing an interview it was four thousand words and like i think i think this is going to be a great like it it has the potential to be a great piece but um i don't know if i'm capable of writing it at the level it needs to be like i was reading the azaira shad piece by uh uh, I forget who wrote that. It was on Fader, and it's unbelievable. I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the 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 writer because it's very famous. The person who wrote it. Um, but yeah, man, if that's the kind of thing I want to write, I want to write like a really incredible profile piece. And I have all the I, the thing is, I have all the pieces. I have all the pieces 
to make that, but I don't know if I have the skill level to do it. But it's gonna be fascinating to see if I can pull it off. But it'll be a great read either way. It'll be a great read. This this story is really cool. So um yeah, go check that stuff out. Check that stuff out. It's uh Beauty of Independence, man. It's just, it's a good series, I like it. Well, I hope you do, since you fucking did it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, to it. be fair, a lot of the shit I do, I don't really like. So, but if I like it, it must mm-hmm, be good. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very self-critical. So, yeah, we we know, um, and yeah, uh, I do have some potential. Uh, I do have some ideas coming down the pipeline for other series. So, uh, yeah, man, five VPNs continuing, continuing on, man. There's some good shit coming through, uh, and yeah, man, just, just. Get your get, get your feel your boots, guys. Feel your boots. Feel go. You know, it's just, not just the ITD. Like like we keep saying, stop eating just apples. Go 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 grab some oranges. Go go maybe peep a jackfruit. Maybe you know what I mean. Something mm. like that. Expand your horizons. It's fun. Um, I actually shout out to I Spy via uh, foreign policy. Fucking fascinating ass podcast series, bro. I, I don't know how I found it. I just like a dis- random discover page. And it's so sick. It's literally like uh, every episode is like a former agent from like kind of CIA or like Cuban uh, intelligence, whatever, uh, KGB. And they just tell one story from their career. And it's so fucking fascinating. Like it's so fire. Anyway, random, random uh, plug. Shout out to foreign policy, I guess. Um, ladies and gentlemen. From the fifth and podcast now it's been digging digits hope you've enjoyed this episode i have been charlie taylor of the fifth element the men card of hip-hop numbers we hope you have a good week we shall always try and do the same but until the next time take it easy ladies and gentlemen all right peace Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. It's a chill of records for the bits use. Socials for Fifth Element. Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Note Production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.